Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You know, Zach, I swear, if you listened really, really close, whether you were at home or you were in the stands, and if you were in the stands, you know. Deep down, you know, but I felt like if you listened closely, sure, you heard Let's Go Beaver from the, the, the progressive field capacity crowd for the All-Star game. But I swear, I think just an undertone of that. I swear I heard Selby is Godcast. I swear I think I heard it. Yeah, you know, we should have done some sponsoring or something. I mean, there were like everybody had their moments and, and all the players from Indians lore, we're back in town. Like, like, Bayerga was everywhere you looked. Um, I compared him to, there's an episode of How I Met Your Mother where Maury Povich just, like, pops up in every single scene in New York City. And that's how Bayerga is. That's how Bayerga is all the time in Cleveland, but especially this week. Uh, but, like, Tommy got his moments, and Sandy Alomar got his moments, and CeCe and Brantley. And it's like, where was Selby? Was Selby not invited <laughs> to this? Come on. Yeah, I mean, he did tag a former All-Star Game MVP, didn't he not? Exactly. So I, I think, you know, a big oversight on the part of the Indians. And, you know, it was beautiful weather. The events all went off without a hitch. Um, it was just, just some really touching, memorable moments. But just a glaring oversight, glaring misstep that, you know, we, we think about 97 and what that all-star game meant and, and the events that happened. Well, you know, in, in 2050, when we think back to 2019, <laughs> we're going to be remembering who wasn't there and not who was. Yeah, no doubt. It's TJ Zuppi and Zach Meisel. You and I will. <laughs> Selby is Godcast. Uh, we thank uh, those of you that uh, stream us every single week. And you find us all the usual places, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, uh, you give the rundown usually every single week. And we also appreciate everybody that has jumped on board over an anchor and has sponsored and helped out the podcast over there to keep us going every single week. Uh, a couple more anonymous, uh, everyone wants to be all secretive. Yeah, I want to give people shout outs. I want to, I want to recognize those that are helping to support the podcast. But if you have any interest in doing that, you can find the link over on the anchor page. When we tweet that out following, uh, every single week's podcast, it was, uh, it was a pretty good showing for the city of Cleveland. Uh, All-star, well, I guess, week is how it's termed, but it's weird. It's a wraparound week, partially the weekend, and then it leads into the home run derby, which was phenomenal. The all-star game, which for a, a national fan tuning in, probably didn't feel the same, didn't tug on the heartstrings the same way it did for, for people in Cleveland. As you laid out, almost everybody got a, a little bit of uh, a time to shine. But even if you weren't a, a hardcore Cleveland fan, a hardcore Indians fan tuning in, there's no better place to start than that, that, uh, that moment with Carlos Carrasco when he came out with his teammates during the stand-up to cancer, uh, uh, during the commercial break or however they, they use that on Fox where everybody in the, the crowd is, is on their feet and everyone's holding a sign. And, of course, everyone came out with, with Cookie on their signs in the – 
uh, rep- the Indians representation and Cookie had one for himself that said, I stand pretty um, surreal moment and certainly one you wish you didn't have to have, but given the reality of the situation, I'm sure it had to mean a lot to, to, to Carlos Carrasco and his family. Yeah. You know, it was, it was a strange, strange week too, from, from Carrasco's point of view. I mean, he was, like, I don't think the Indians knew the, – the plan was not for Carrasco's diagnosis to leak out to the public at midnight on a Friday night before the All-Star game. Like, that's certainly wasn't the intention. And um, so I know, like, they were scrambling a little bit to just try to prepare everything. And then once the public found out about Carrasco's diagnosis, I know a lot of people were saying, well, he's got to throw out the first pitch of the All-Star game. It would be perfect. Like, make this happen, Indians. And, you know, the Indians were in a tough spot. Right. Because then it's like, well, first of all, a lot of this is Major League Baseball. It's at their discretion. The Indians are just there as hosts. They're not operating a lot of things. They're helping coordinate. But a lot of it is in the hands of the league office. So, and, and this has been, stuff has been planned for months and months and months. So, I'm glad it worked out to where they found just a perfect way to recognize Carrasco um, and just, you know, that, that's, that segment they do is, is touching every year, no matter what, but like we're talking about what we're going to remember 20, 30 years down the road. Like it's undoubtedly that is, that's the one that's going to stand out in my mind is, you know, think about like the most impactful inning of the Indian season to me is the fifth inning of the all-star game where Bieber mows down the, the side in order which ends up winning him the MVP. And then a couple minutes later, he's standing out on the field with a few of his teammates, his manager, and Carlos Carrasco for just a, a, a moment where, like, if you didn't feel that, then, you know, what does Terry Franco always says? Like, if that didn't give you emotion, then you should probably check your pulse. Yeah. Like, it was, it was so perfect. And, and it was, you know, he, Carrasco does so much for – the community so much for kids and their education. And he has book drives every year and he's involved with so many different foundations. And I'm glad he knows, maybe he knew it before, but if he didn't now, he certainly does. He's going to have such a huge support system and a, a way of giving back to a guy who's given a ton, you know, every year of his career. Yeah, no doubt. It it was, I, I just sit. I, I was in the the upper deck to take it in uh, the entire game. Uh, don't and I didn't move from my seat pretty much the entire game because I just wanted to kind of soak it all in from that atmosphere. And it was it was a lot of fun, but that was a moment where it was it was certainly pretty dusty in the ballpark. And I don't think you can fault anybody that that felt that way that, that maybe had a tear in their eye. And as you said, Carrasco does so much for others. It's good that I'm sure he knew that everyone was there for him, but just to have that happen, to, to get that moment, to have that um, in the back of his mind as he continues this fight against leukemia. I mean, again, you would rather not be in that situation. You would rather him. The reason why he's standing on the field is because he is an all-star and he didn't have to take this break and he's not, you know, it made, you know, I don't think it's hyperbole to say someone's fighting for their life. You, you would rather not be in that situation, but given the, the circumstances, I thought 
Major League Baseball and the Indians, it couldn't, it could not have been handled any better. And you're right, they were in a tough spot. Uh, and I saw the, I think you know McNeil on Twitter had had put out the petition. Probably a few others did too. Um, and, and I also saw some people say, "Oh well, what are you doing? You're just chasing social media likes." And I don't think that was the case at all. I think people were trying their best to to make sure that he was recognized. But also knowing Carrasco a little bit that we do, I thought maybe that would have been. Uh, a little bit, um, what's the right word? It just would have been probably not the right situation for Cookie. He probably wouldn't have felt comfortable stepping out and throwing the first pitch. So the the way that it was handled could not have been, uh, could not have gone any better. And you also wanted to keep in mind that they wanted to take some time to recognize Tyler Skaggs, who deserved his mm-hmm. moment of silence too. And uh, to, knowing all of that had to get done, and knowing that they were obviously going to do the, the stand-up to cancer uh, segment that they do every single year, it, it was mapped out perfectly. And it will be a memorable moment, obviously for all of us watching, but most importantly, memorable moment for, for Cookie and his family. It, it was perfect, and it just – I don't know what it was, but it was like Cle- Cleveland couldn't do anything wrong this week. I know we were joking about Selby before, but like <laughs> truly it was, I mean, I was talking with someone with the Indians today who said like they can finally exhale today. And especially so knowing they couldn't have scripted things more perfectly than they unfolded. I mean, it was just like everybody got their moment. Like even, even, I mean, obviously the, the nineties guys are the big names and every time they come back, it's a celebration and it's, it's a lot of fun. And Kenny Lofton, is talking all over the place and you always see by and Tommy we've seen so many times. And, but even like, like Travis Hafner to hit a, a right. home run in the celebrity game that goes over the actual right field wall. Like that's, that's perfect. And, and, you know, it just seemed like everybody got their moment and like Brantley got an amazing ovation. Santana got like everything he had dreamed for, um, you know, like underrated things like, Hey, if Santana's not going to win, well, at least you got Vladdy Guerrero to put on the show of all home run derbies. And then, okay, well, if he can't win either, Pete Alonzo wins, and his pitcher is a Cleveland native whose phone has been blowing up nonstop for the last week now. So just like so many storylines, Bieber obviously is, is an incredible story. Uh, you know, I, we didn't get to listen to Lindor mic'd up since we were at the game, but like everything you hear was – the whole nation, if, if they hadn't fell, fallen in love with Lindor before, they did now. Um, so it's like just everything fell into place. And, and the one thing that made it even more perfect, Mother Nature finally delivered. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, it's our second favorite topic on the podcast. Usually it's, it's slated somewhere between food and airports and, you know, actually talking about the baseball team in Cleveland. And the weather was as good as we've seen a, a stretch for – uh, for the city in, in quite some time, and it all happens right when it needed to. It could it, it just added to the perfect script that was this week for, for All-Star Week and, and Weekend and everything leading up to it and everything as, as everybody left. I, I did not see, just scanning Twitter, didn't see a, a negative word from anybody in the media that was in town to cover it. And I know Cleveland is usually a city that becomes very easy to poke fun at. Uh, at every single turn, and we've seen that for years and years and years. I didn't see much, if not any, of that 
pretty much everybody was giving the city a pat on the back for the way that everything was handled, the way the ballpark looked, the, every, the way everything functioned. Um, hell, even getting out of there on Tuesday night was pretty simple. I was expecting mega traffic jams and, and just zaniness everywhere. But even the city was prepared, uh, in, in my experience, pretty well from, from that standpoint. I could not come up with anything truly to complain about or that I saw many other people complaining about. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned this because I feel like I'm in a I like I feel like I have I can speak with authority on this. I, I lived downtown for five years. I finally moved out to the suburbs two years ago now. But like I saw Cleveland grow and when I lived downtown I ate it up. I mean, I took advantage of being able to walk to the ballpark every day, to stumble home every night, to not need to rely on a car, to explore different restaurants and bars and part of downtown. And, and not have to find um, any parking attendants on a Saturday. Uh, and, and I travel enough to other cities that I feel like I can compare and I feel like I can evaluate this. And like, Look, I think sometimes we have this inferiority complex where we, we think everybody's just making fun of Cleveland and hates Cleveland. Although at least maybe I just thought that. It's true. Like my mom is one of those people who says Cleveland stinks. And she says now that it's just because of the weather. And I'm like, like a Cleveland summer and a Cleveland fall, like that, nothing beats that. Um, obviously our winters suck, but like other than that, like, Cleveland is great and there are so many good things about it. And, and it's a great city with a great food scene. It's easy to navigate. There is never traffic. We have three sports teams. They all play downtown. All three teams like work their asses off to make it a good experience for fans. Like there's, there's so much to love about Cleveland. And I feel like a lot of it for a long time was just, oh, it's gray there six, six months a year and their sports team sucks, so let's just make it the punching bag. And like, like, I don't think a championship should just change the way the world looks at a city, but it seems like for some reason that's had to have been the case. But like Cleveland rocks. It really does. And I didn't mean for that pun to come out, but <laughs> it's, it's legitimate. Like if, if people are still ragging on Cleveland, I think it's only because they haven't been here in a long time or ever. Yes, that's probably the case. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> so glad to be here. So this leads us all to the most important thing following this week. You know, it's all rainbows and unicorns and everyone has good things to say. And everything came up roses for the city of Cleveland all week long. But most important, is that going to be true on Friday night and Saturday and Sunday? Because the Indians, I don't know if you've heard, have got a pretty significant series coming up against the Twins. And it is obviously overstepping to say that this is going to decide the division. Because even when it was 10 and a half, 11 and a half games, I think you and I both said the reality is it's not looking good. But uh, in baseball, I'm not making any definitive statements in May or June. But it is getting a little bit later on the calendar. They've cut significantly into the lead where now it's a manageable five and a half games and boy taking two or three would be nice, but a sweep that would do some incredible things on both sides to both teams, their confidence level. And of course, where they're at in the standings, 
So where are you at coming into this weekend against the, the Minnesota Twins? Well, they, they have it set up perfectly because they win their last six going into the break, right? How they lost 26 to nothing to the Orioles over two days, I will never, ever understand. Especially, like, they had Clevenger and Plesak on the mound. It's not like they had Jeffrey and, like, Savali or, or some rookie. Or, like, it was, it was bizarre um, that this is the same team. Because I think after they lost those two games in Baltimore, I think people were, again, it seems like you never evaluate at the low point or the high point. So, even so, but man, went, I, I understood anyone that felt. I mean, we sure, the, the sure. whole next podcast last week, we spent a lot of time talking about how devastating those two games in, in Baltimore felt. Well, it just reminds you that when you have a young and experienced team that's, I mean, let's face it, we've said it, like this is, no matter what happens, this is a transition year. Like this is, you're going from that old core of Gomes and Kipnis and Kluber and those guys to the new group. And I don't think we even know fully what that new group is. I know it's going to have Clevenger and Bieber and maybe Lindor for another year or two, but that's and Mercado. Like uh, we don't really know. So this, I think this is the first year of transition. So no matter what happens, I think you have to remind yourself like what the Baltimore series showed and what the <laughs> week after that showed is that there's just a wide variety of outcomes for this team like they can play really really well they can play really really poorly because of that I still think it's going to be really difficult to eliminate this deficit in the division just because I think they're going to be inconsistent like it's it's completely understandable and reasonable and I think they're gonna like so what I was originally saying is it's it's nice that they have Clevenger Bauer Bieber out of the shoot here because well, first of all, those are the only three starting pitchers on the roster right this second. Um, they're going to have to add someone, I'm assuming, Plesak, um, Really, come Monday. One of the uh, 47 other pitchers in the bullpen can't start a game? Yeah. But, like, they – it's it's a way to build momentum. I mean, I think they're all feeling momentum from the All-Star break. Um, those who were involved and, and enjoyed that, obviously, like, Bieber should have all the confidence in the world now. You can strike out three all-stars and win a new Silverado. You could certainly <laughs> innings against the twins. Right. So it's, it's set up well for them. It's just like, this is a very important homestand. I never, I think you're the same way, TJ. Like I never want to say like, Oh, how they play over the next 10 days determines whether they trade these guys or they're by like, but I do think like, I think it is set up for yeah, that. Like, yeah, it's if, as close, it's as close nine, to it as you can get. Right. If they go 9-1 and one on this homestand and they're a game back in the division and they're two games up in the wild card with 10 days until the trade deadline, well, no, you're probably not going to be shopping Brad Hand for some 20-year-olds. And, you know, it's going to be really tough to trade Trevor Bauer. I think this would be a lot easier if either of two things happened. One, if they had traded Corey Kluber over the offseason – I don't think we'd be talking about trading Bauer right now. And I think it would just be a matter of go get a couple pieces you need and, and let's go Two, if Kluber was healthy or you knew he was going to be healthy within the next couple of weeks, then I think it would be the other thing. I think it would be, you know, it's probably likely they would trade Bauer, but that that's not going to happen. And if what's crazy is that we've gotten to a point now where it, 
I don't know if it makes sense to trade Bauer because you are so close in this race and you have a chance to get closer. And if you trade Bauer, Kluber's probably looking like sometime in August. And, and even then, like, which Kluber is he? And Carrasco, like, wants to pitch tomorrow, but he's also got leukemia. Yeah. So, like, he, you got to be careful there. And, and he's probably, like, you don't want to bank on anything there. Um, and, and his health comes first, second, third. Um, first and foremost and so I j- there's just like so much volatility that this is the most long-winded way of saying <laughs> like holy crap this is actually a really big f- weekend series in July um, it's cool for the Indians that this comes on the heels of what was a perfect week leading into the all-star break a perfect all-star week in Cleveland like the Indians are riding this huge wave of momentum now which is just insanity when you think about two months ago, we were watching Eric Stamets and Max Moroff grounding out over and over and over again and thinking, how are we going to survive another four months of watching this horrendous baseball team? It's, it's a remarkable turnaround, and it's going to be must-see TV, I think, over the next couple of weeks, just seeing, like, this rarely happens, but literally how they play over the next couple of weeks, I think, is going to determine the course the front office takes. Well, I mean, we've even said there are times over the past few weeks that we've we've tried to be as fair and balanced and and, and take a, a, a bigger picture view of this as much as possible, looking at the realities of the division, how they've played leading up to now, how we project they're going to play in the future the twins, what they're going to do moving forward. And I think a lot through processing all of that, a lot of it has come out sounding glass half empty. And um, we've said that, um, but even if that's the case and still there's some lingering elements of all of those things that were, uh, that we were cynical about or pessimistic about still hanging around. There's not much you can say negatively about the way this team has played over the past few weeks outside of that, those couple of really fluky games in Baltimore, which is just, as you said, it's odd when you think about where this team has been, um, you know, types of players that they have relied on guys that weren't even sniffing the roster at the beginning of the year are now up here and are now expected to, to be big time contributors moving forward. But I don't. The one thing I don't want to do now, uh, as we start the second half, is come off sounding like the glass should be has, half empty because I don't think it should. They've earned the right to be where they're at here today, as we record this on uh, Wednesday. Opening, can opening I, can up I the second half. Interject though, real okay, quick. Okay, go ahead. Well, I just I just want to say like, yes, it was glass glass half empty, but it I think it was more so just for like the present. I think we always sure. felt that. Because we believed in Bieber. I mean, I didn't think he'd be a freaking all-star game MVP like one year into his career. But I think we both agreed that like the future was still a lot brighter than Absolutely. a lot of people were giving it credit but, but for. But you okay. also, as you laid out so eloquently a couple of weeks ago, you, you said everything that we talk about is always through the prism of they could have done things a hell of a lot differently and better this offseason. And it, yeah. it's tough when you're when you're evaluating all this stuff to ever completely neglect that. And I think to, to give the current team the credit they deserve, you almost have to set the other part aside. 
like it's a different conversation and say, we all acknowledge that that's reality. We spent weeks and weeks and months over the off season talking about all the things that they needed to do and they couldn't do. And all the things that actually ended up happening that we felt needed to not happen. And we've also called ourselves out for things that, you know, maybe we were, we weren't so right on the, the on Gomes trade comes to mind where you and I both kind of, neither one of us had any issue turning over regular playing time to Roberto Perez. In fact, I will go back as far as to pat myself on the back way back in 2016, having arguments with radio hosts, telling them that Roberto Perez is a better offensive player than he has shown to this point. And so again, I will injure myself patting myself on the back, but the on Gomes trade, you know, and our problems with that was, wasn't about Roberto. It was about, could you held out? Could, did you need to do this trade right now? Could you have gotten a better return? Uh, these, these guys don't look like they can help this year. And uh, Daniel Johnson looks like he might be uh, maybe stop myself sh- short of saying a legitimate piece, but at least something that looks pretty intriguing moving forward. And Jeffrey Rodriguez has given them some big innings before he got hurt. So all those things are, you know, are true. We established that and, and nothing changes what we have already said about things that could have gone better in the offseason. Right. We're all on the same page there. Yeah, yeah. But moving forward, I mean, this team deserves a hell of a lot of credit for being where they're at. Do they not? I mean, they've they've earned this being a big series. And, yes, the Twins have have fallen off a bit. Um, I think you could have just – even if we all established that the Twins are good, they were playing at a a ridiculous level, like an all-time great franchise Twins level. And I don't know that that was going to continue. I mean, even just from normal regression, they were probably going to have a bad stretch. And to the Indians' credit, for the most part, as we've said, if the Twins are going to stub their toe, you got to take advantage of it. And the Indians pretty much have outside of that blip on the radar in Baltimore. So I, I do want to – I don't want to make another podcast where we just, like, beat the Indians up. And that's – because that's not my intention. It's just being real about this when the, the lead was ten and a half games and they weren't scoring any runs. I mean, what else are you going to say? Right now, the offense has come to life a little bit. I still have my reservations about what they're going to be moving forward. But you know, things have come together a little bit more consistently over the past few weeks. And I don't want this to be another podcast where it's like glass half empty. I think the Tribe fans going into the second half where you don't have to look at this objectively, you should be fired up. You should be looking forward to this this weekend. And you should be living and dying on, on every pitch. That's what a pennant race is supposed to be about. I know we've lost sight of that with the way that the baseball has constructed itself where you've got everybody either going for it or not going for it. And division races are over on June 13th, but this is what this is supposed to be, right? Fun. And if you, if you just for a moment, remove all of the things that we kind of try to keep in our, the back of our minds throughout the, the length of an entire season, we throw all that out the window and just look at this series. This is going to be a hell of a fun ride. Yeah. And it's, I think the key here is this is new because the Indians haven't had competition in the division, especially the last two years. So they also haven't been the hunter. You know, the Twins are the Twins haven't been in this position either. Like this is all brand new. You know, the Indians haven't been the team on the chase. The Twins haven't been the team at the top. So it's going to be interesting to see how both teams respond to that, how experience plays out, um, and. You know, it's it's interesting. Like, I think back to the 90s and especially after 97, when the team falls short again, they reload in 98, they reload in 99. It's like 
like I'm sure I was a kid, so I don't remember what people were saying on Zanga, but like <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure people were just tired, and, and I mean, this is why Mike Hargrove got fired. Like at some point, you get to the playoffs and you get knocked out with a what you feel is a really good team enough times, and it's just the act becomes old. But those Indians, like, they just kept acquiring more and more veterans. They never let those kids play. They just shipped them off and brought in established talent and gave it another go. This is different. And so I, I hope – I'm going to say two things here. One, I, I hope, like, if the Indians come back and win the division and, like, get stomped by the Astros or the Yankees in the playoffs or, you know, I hope people can still understand that, like, Sure, if you want to group it with 2018 and 2017 and 2016 falling short, that's fine. But also recognize that, like, this is different. And, like, Oscar Mercado struggling in the ALDS and Bieber and Plesak, you know, getting their first experience is a lot different than Andrew Miller and Cody Allen and Brian Shaw and all those, the, the veterans that you had not being able to to pull through in their three cracks at it. Like, this is different, and I think you need to look forward maybe and not look back and, like, winning the division. If they come back in a race, an 11-and-a-half game deficit and, you know, take down the almighty twins who were on pace to win 110 games for a while and um, and you make the playoffs, like, it's, it's impressive. And, and I think it means more moving forward than it does relating to your past. And it's yeah. not just – it's not necessarily just another up. Oh, team choked again in the in the first round of the playoffs like it's there are things you like last year 2018 was a waste you just twiddled your thumbs all season you got to the playoffs hoped that you could flip that switch and you didn't and it was it was a complete waste it was stupid pointless and we'll never get that time back there there was nothing i mean we said it over and over again it was a nondescript season there was nothing that stood out nothing you could take away from it um 2019 is different like, if, if they made the playoffs and got knocked out, it's different. That said, it's also frustrating because then you can just argue, well, if you didn't have Stamets and more often, I mean, Brad Miller hit fifth for this team once. Carlos Gonzalez got cut the day after he batted fourth. Like, think about how lousy that lineup was that you trotted out there for six weeks. Yeah. And I know Francisco Lindor was hurt for the first three weeks. And you can't replace him. But you could have at least tried with Jose Iglesias. You could have. I mean, we've, we don't need to go over all the names that we listed all winter and said, are you going to sign any of these guys? Are you going to build any depth whatsoever? Okay, I don't disagree. Like, I don't disagree with well, you. But, but it's also like, like we've seen Mercado shine. And it's like if they're going to take credit and say, well, we're really excited moving forward because we've got Mercado. Well, then maybe you should have let him play for the first month of the season. And I know there are other things involved with that and Super 2 and – control and whatnot but like there were steps they could take so that they didn't fall down so far so early and i don't think i don't think mercado should fall into the trying trying to squeeze every single ounce of arbitration in super two that that he doesn't like a francisco lindor is a guy that you worry about that with oscar mercado does not feel like that especially going into the year kind of thinking what he could be no one was thinking well, if you don't get a, a seventh year out of this guy, your organization is screwed. No one's thinking that. But I, I do want to say, I don't disagree with anything you've said. We talked about needing depth and uh, places where they could have spent just a teeny tiny bit of money and it 
it would have just provided uh, more of a sure thing than what they had, or really anything, just even replacement level would have been better at some of those positions. All of that's true. The one thing I will say is that signing Jose Iglesias and putting him out there or anybody else that you want to run down the list was not going to overcome the fact that a Francisco Lindor was out of the lineup and B Jose Ramirez has been missing for pretty much almost an entire calendar year now. No doubt. Uh, So I'm not saying, I'm not saying that would have been, I know, I know. I'm not saying if Jose Iglesias played shortstop for the first three weeks, they never would have been down 11 games. I'm saying if you just would have prepared a little better, I don't, I don't disagree. I think it's on ownership. I think it's on the front office. I think it's on players who just didn't perform. It's on a lot of things. You know, I just, um, I'm just trying to be fair with looking at the, the, the entirety of the picture. And that's a massive puzzle piece that they have not had that they were counting on. And it's not like they were counting on it and they had no reason to count on it. Jose Ramirez has been one of the best players in baseball for the past three years entering this year. There was no real reason to believe that his month and you know, five, six week struggle at the end of the year was going to carry on the way that it did this year. So it was going to be tough. Yeah, no but- matter what happened, it was going to be tough to overcome no Lindor and Ramirez posting a 550 OPS in the first two months or whatever but it was. But that's also what you get when you rely on seven elite players and don't supplement that core with anything, especially when Agreed. that core is all underpaid. I'm just trying to have both sides presented. I think that's important in the interest of fairness. Uh, but you're right about this. This would feel different. Obviously, we have to see how these, the past two, the, or the next two months play out. Um, you know, there, there were things that were happening in April that by the time you got to May, changed a bunch. So I imagine there are things that we believe to be true today as we record this that are going to seem very foolish at the end of August. I mean, that's just the reality of a, a lengthy baseball season. I, I will say that that mentality with looking at younger players and developing them and looking – uh, having an eye toward the future as well as trying to win now. I also kind of carry that into my mentality on the upcoming trade deadline, which I'm just going to take a step back and hit play on this audio recording I have where I explain my stance on the trade deadline every single week. But it's, <laughs> it, again, has not changed. I am looking at trades that I think make sense outside of where this team is at in the standings. And I still feel like the best course of action as we record this today is to do some element of both buying and selling and i still think the most mm, the the best course of action i mean and this is all depending on return if you're not getting the right return then it's a moot point but the best course of action to me still is trying to find a way to flip bauer into multiple younger pieces that help you win now and are around for the next four five six years and, and, I, and I don't – anybody that is just looking at these past few weeks, looking at how they've shaved games off the division and is automatically ruling anything out trade deadline-wise, whether it is Bauer or hand-related, just because they've cut into this deficit by, like, cutting it in half, I think it's foolish. I, I don't think you can look at it that way. I don't think you can – you can get caught up in looking at some, some, some major piles of fool's gold. I'm not saying that's even what this is, but – I think you have to be smart about this and not get caught up in a nice three, four week stretch where it looks like this team is going to play better. If you get offered a deal where uh, you can't walk away from it, especially for Bauer, who is, uh, is going to see his, 
his value drops significantly once you go into the offseason and you no longer have the ability to shop a second postseason run in there. Uh, I, th- I just think you have to put aside where they're at in the standings. And if you make the right trade, if it's positioned like the way a, a trade that I imagine should be positioned, it's not a, a sell. It's not an obvious, well, they traded Bauer for pieces parts. You're making a trade that obviously you can see, no, 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 we're, we're doing what we kind of talked about all offseason, where we're taking one element of our roster and trying to make our entire roster better in a different area. And it's not selling. We're just flipping one piece for a different piece. Okay, do you want to hit – did you hit pause on last week's recording? And now you want to? You want to resume? I've gotten so yeah, I mean, good. we've I've we've... been able to splice the two together. You couldn't even tell seamlessly. <laughs> yeah, we we've said this. The good thing is we can stop reciting the same mantra coming up because they're gonna have to shit or get off the pot. <laughs> True. Um, so no, it's interesting. You know, we let's pat ourselves on the back a little more. We predicted. We were talking about hand for Mejia last summer, and then it happened. Like. We yeah, what do you want to materialize into existence this time? Yeah. Well, let's let's take the next few days and, and think about it and then pull something out of our hat. Um, sure. Hat, ass, wherever. Yeah. So, do you want to do a random Indian? I would love to do a random Indian. I've got a good one. All right, well, let's get to that after this. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, I'm interested because I asked you if you wanted to do one this week, Zach. And you said that you had already preemptively pulled one up and you were too excited that we couldn't skip this week. So it must be pretty good. Yeah, this guy, hmm. He attended Barton County Community College. What? What? In Great Bend, Kansas. And then he went on to UNC Charlotte. Okay. At least one of those places I've heard of. So you don't know who it is? I, I feel like I'm close, but I might need another clue or two. All right. This guy's 42 years old right now. Okay. He pitched for the Indians for three years. Okay. Three, con- three consecutive years? Uh, he uh that's tough to dis- uh hmm. I mean he was with the Indians organization but those 3 years of big league experience did not come consecutively okay but he was with the team for 3 years in a row yeah more than that Okay. He never pitched in the majors for any other team but the Indians in those three years. Okay. What do you want? Do you want his... <laughs> his name. <laughs> his, 
his numbers, his the years he pitched, years he pitched would be, he was. How, years he pitched would be very helpful. So he was in that. His major league experience spanned 03 to 07. All right. Obviously, he was in the minors in between there and before yeah. and after. Career ERA of 361. Wow. Not bad. 23, only 23 big league appearances. Oh. 12 starts, 11. Out oh, of the he, 10. he started some. Okay. Yeah, a little of both. Uh, I got nothing so far. So in those 23 outings, he totaled 87 innings. Only 51 strikeouts. Not a hard thrower by any means. 28 walks. So, three per nine. Gave up a little more than a hit per inning. But didn't give up very many home runs. Only six home runs allowed in his career. So, his FIP was 392. Uh, Lefty? He was a lefty, yeah. And what years were these? 03 to 07? Yeah, and you know what? I don't think he was drafted. I think he was undrafted. Very impressive. Oh, I don't – the first one that comes to mind is Aaron Laffey. No. And so that era of Indians baseball had so many of these guys, right? Right. I can't – there's there's the – there's this era, and then there's, like, the era that comes right after it. There's the stretch after they were good in 07 that I get yeah. the names confused where I don't remember which teams they were a part of. Uh, right, like the oh four, oh six, oh eight. Like I, I go, I go. Is, is Billy Traver part of that unit, or is he <laughs> part of the post oh seven? Like I can't remember. Uh, Brian Tallett. Yep. I, I see. I don't want to. I, I want to list these off, but I don't want to steer you the right or the wrong way. <sighs> I, but the all those all those soft tossing lefties should form like a band <laughs> or something, or just one big megazord. Uh, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I got nothing. A lefty, oh three to oh seven, three years, forty two now. <sighs> I can't think. I can't think of who it would be. He's been back to Cleveland since his career wrapped up. I do know that. I don't know. And I chose this guy because someone sent me him as a random jersey sighting, which I have not gotten around to posting all the the all-star ones. But I do need to do that. Someone found a, a White Sox Tyler Clippard jersey. Tyler Clippard was on the White Sox for about three weeks in 2017. (laughs) I have no recollection of that. Um, He got traded to Chicago and then I think to New York in the span of less than a month. Um, So that was a good one. We saw Drew Stubbs. There was a Toby Hera. And there was this one. Jason Stanford. Oh, come on. 
former pregame, postgame yes. analyst for STO. I don't remember him pitching for that over that length of time for them. So that, that group would include Traber, Tallett, Laffey, Sowers, Stanford. <laughs> Anybody else? When your powers combine, I am <laughs> mediocre lefty. Um, yeah, no, that, that pretty much wraps it up. Stanford. Yeah, you know what's so funny is, so the Indians haven't had a left-handed starter in the rotation in like 30 years. Um, and people, will, people will ask me from time to time, like, don't you think they need to get a lefty for the rotation? And I'm like, look, when you force the issue and you force yourself to have a lefty in the rotation, you end up with Laffey, Traver, Tallett, Stanford, and Sowers. Like, that's – you just go with the best pitchers. If they happen to be left-handed, that's great. I always thought – When you force it – I always thought Laffey got a raw deal. He needed he some – He was pretty good. I, I actually thought, eh, give, this, give him a little bit more time. He'll be all right. Fine back-end arm. Uh, I thought Sowers had potential. I mean, he was the sixth pick in the sure. draft. Yeah, and he looked good in his first year. He had a couple starts where he was like, had a I mean, no, no hell, hell Traver didn't Traver shut out the Yankees like in his second career yeah. start or first career start? I think it was his debut. Uh, even talent. I mean, talent had an all right career. I know he shifted to kind of more of a bullpen role, but what was, what was he? Toronto and a couple other stops. Uh, yeah. I mean, all, all of those guys seemingly just kind of. <laughs> Blends into one. I can't remember who did what, but yeah, that. Like I'm looking at Jeremy Sowers' numbers right now. He, he pitched for the Indians. He made 72, 72 appearances in four years, seventy one starts. Guess his strikeout strikeouts per nine. <laughs> strikeouts per nine. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, three. Yeah, three point nine. Which, like, like especially in, in today's, today's game, game, like, your grandma yeah. could average <laughs> seven strikeouts per nine. Oh, but my geez. goodness. Uh, they loved their soft-tossing left. They did. Um, and to anyone's point that once that, you know, says that they should have a lefty in the rotation, that park is more favorable to left-handed hitters. So if you had a lefty in the rotation – that would force teams to use more of their right-handed bats, and then they'd be staring at that 19-foot wall. Then again, Vladdy Guerrero Jr. had no problem clearing it on <laughs> multiple occasions. Just looked like rapid-fire cannon blast off of his bat. Unbelievable. I, I am, I'm really bummed that I couldn't see that live, but that just had to be a spectacle to see. I didn't want it to end his round with Peterson. Oh I remember, God. I remember watching Syracuse against UConn in the two thousand nine Big East tournament. I was in college, and it went six overtimes. Was it UConn or yeah, Syracuse UConn? And I remember just I kept rooting for the game to remain tied, yeah. and I wanted it to go twelve. And and this was like that. I mean, it was like the drama was amazing because it's it's hard to have something like that when you don't have. There's in, in every sport, there's a clock, and even in the home run derby, there's a clock. But once they got to, to the second overtime, I guess when they got to like the three swings, yeah, 
it was there's no clock and so to have that sort of drama was amazing like right you, 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 i mean you, you never get that in any other you sport. get down to peterson and and he hits the home run on the first swing and you're like oh my god this guy's gonna do this again and then he misses it on the second one and you know that the next swing is going to decide everything it's not you're right it's not even like if you get like a three two pitch and the ninth inning two outs guy could still foul one off like the at-bat could continue for for right. conceivably forever when you know the next swing decides it it made it oh my god it's so compelling um it's unprecedented and i want more of it oh my and god I wish, it's so good i just like uh, the alonzo story was cool i wish that round would have happened in the final yeah. vladdy was toast you know you know what it was it was rock hogan from wrestlemania and the crowd's dead after it it's like that should have <laughs> been the main event that was it like, how do you have all those false finishers and you expect the crowd to come? I mean, you needed, like, a cool-down match after that. Spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah, you haven't got there on the, the network yet. I'm sorry. Oh, well, that's payback for Michael Scott leaving the office. Uh, any, <laughs> any parting words for our, yeah. for our listeners this week? You know, by the time this podcast is out, uh, I'll have a story up on – I got to do something cool for All-Star Week. Um if I sound like I'm partially brain dead, it's because I'm exhausted and it's, you know, it's, it's crazy. The all-star game comes once every 20 to 30 years. And I've actually never, I had never covered one. Um, Cause I always wanted those few days off to, to recharge the batteries. And um, I had heard it's just a, a giant cluster and it's, yeah. it's a zoo and it's, especially if you're the host city, it's, it's kind of miserable. Um, but I think with, with how everything played out, it made it really enjoyable. Um, even though every day was so long and there was so much going on and I got the opportunity to follow around Jim Tomey all week. Um, and so that story is, is, it's, it's up by the time this is up. And so just from, I don't even remember what day I saw him for the first time. And it's funny because when we were debriefing, I, I, we chatted for like a half hour at the end of like right before the all-star game on Tuesday. And I was, my first question was like, all right, so, so when we first connected for this, like what day was that? And he, he was like, I think Thursday. And I was like, no. And he was like, no, it was Friday. And I'm like, wait, no, you didn't get here till Friday. Was it Saturday? Like, like the, the week was such a whirlwind sure. that no one knew what day it was. Um, and, and told me as an ambassador, like they sent me a schedule and every day he had, like 10 appearances all over the place, not even just downtown. He was at great Northern mall in North Olmsted. He was um, in like Brooklyn, Ohio for a uh, naming in, in, a, in a park, like he had all this stuff going on. It was just really cool to see him behind the scenes. And I know he's, it, it's weird. He's a, he's, to some, he's a polarizing figure in Cleveland because of what he did 17 years ago when he took, a lot more money to go to Philadelphia, which, you know, there's another first baseman who did that more recently, but who's beloved here and no one mentions it. It's kind of weird. Um, he was just in the home run derby. What's his name? I know it's not apples to apples, but like people who are holding a grudge against Jim told me it's, it's, it's kind of tired to me. And it's, it's amazing that people still do that. And I think we should appreciate the fact that this guy who is one of the best hitters of all time, who hits 612 home runs, who, is as gracious and down to earth as you would hope 
someone of that stature could possibly be. Um, like it's, it should be an honor that he played for a long time in Cleveland, that he went into the hall of fame with an Indian's cap, that he still appreciates Cleveland fans and treasures his visits here. And like, I'm not saying all this just cause I got to spend time with him, but it, it, being around him through, you know, watching him interact with Pedro Martinez in an MLB network production meeting, watching him um, talk hitting and with, with Sean Casey, watching him laugh with Charlie Manuel and, and tell stories with Omar and Carlos Baerga and, and then just interact with fans. And like, we were just hanging out um, kind of behind the red carpet show after the parade on Tuesday, um, just waiting for him to be taken to his next spot. And like this really old employee, I think he was working one of the, the concession stands and like he pulled out his, his, his phone and, he couldn't really figure out how to get the, the picture setting, but he, he was like, Jim, can I take a picture of you? And he, he holds it up to take a picture of Jim Tomey. And, and Jim's like, what are you doing? Get in the picture with me. Come on. Like, and the guy had never even, it hadn't even dawned on him that he could do that. And like, he's just so genuine. And, you know, if you're holding a grudge over 17 years for something that like the Indians were going to be shitty, whether he stayed or not. And I, I get it. Like he shouldn't have said, tear the Jersey off my back or whatever. Like, fine but like people got over lebron people didn't care about santana people like guys come and go that's sports and i think you know it was just eye-opening to me to see how humble of a person this is given all he's accomplished and you know he had his hand in everything all week he was in the celebrity game his son was in the celebrity game it was so cool watching jr smith sprint back to second base to to embrace an 11 year old landon and um, he threw out the first pitch before the Derby and he managed the futures game. And he, he watched with Sandy Alomar and Mike Hargrove sweet, the all-star game. It's just like, he had his hand in everything. And at no point was it like, nah, this is too much. I don't want to do this. This is like, I, I can spend my time in better ways. There are other people I want to see. Like, believe me, there are other athletes who certainly do that. There are other players from the nineties Indians who are really picky and who don't want to do all these things. Um, so it was a cool experience. Um, he's a good guy. And, you know, I, I was, I was saying this to, to someone. It's like everything about the nineties Indians was perfect, except for the fact that they didn't win a title. And I just wonder, like, you can't think about those, those teams without thinking, God, how did they not just get one? If they would have just gotten one, that would have been the standard forever. Everything in Cleveland sports would be just you'd, you'd go back to, to that stretch and like nothing could top it. It would be, I mean, maybe the Browns will have some crazy run here, but like the 90s Indians would have been first and it would have been the ones, you know, they were so larger than life. And it's a shame that you had all that talent and all those personalities. And like you look back and it's like, man, but Tommy didn't get a ring. Lofton didn't get a ring and Omar didn't get a ring. And it's just like, you know, that every time I see those guys reunite as a big group, you know, it's it's impossible not to think about that too. Zach, next time we talk, you know, two guys that always keep the bigger picture in mind. We'll either be talking about the Indians chipping into the AL central lead or the season will be over. Either way, we'll be here to talk about it on the self. There's no in between. Nope. That's going to be it. One way or the other, black and white. And we'll be here to dissect it all.
<laughs> Till next time, be safe, everyone. We're out. See you.